the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to On the Record with Tiffany. There are heroes throughout San Antonio, men and women that go the extra mile to make lives better. During the next hour, you'll be inspired as we introduce you to these unsung heroes. And now here's your host, Tiffany Jones-Smith. And we're back with another episode of On the Record with Tiffany here on 930 AM, The Answer. And Kevin, don't forget that part. With Tiffany and Kevin. And we can be seen on TAN TV, the African American Network Television, where we have a local feel with a global reach. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So. (laughs) I'm laughing because we've been teasing each other back and forth, right? So, uh, as you know, uh, one of the things that. You know, we've been going over these last three episodes, right? So the first one, we got it. You heard a little bit about Tiffany. The second one, you heard a little bit about me. And uh, so I hope I was came across as brilliant as Tiffany. I doubt it, though, but we'll go with that. Nope, I was better. <laughs> but the third <laughs> one, right, is sort of a wrap-up in this whole idea because Dynamic Life Press is coming out with a series uh, that is a historical series that is really wrapped around the idea that if, you know, by the time you're the second great whatever, you're the second great uncle, great aunt, great grandparent or whatever, most of the people who know you are dead, right, or about to die, and you're, you're going to be forgotten. I know it's a sad face. It's a sad fact of life, but that's generally where it is, right? And so, uh, that's, so that's the viewpoint we're coming from. So if your second great grandchild was to come to you and ask questions, what are the things that you'd want them to know? Right. And that that stood out in your life that you want them to be aware of. Right. A little sentimentality there. But that's the idea behind these uh, three, uh, uh, this series of three that we've done. Uh, and so we're going to ask each other a few of these questions. Right. So I have the questions. And so I have a series that's coming up. It's going to be a podcast around. Uh, it's going to more or less center around the people that I know and that I would want my uh, grandchildren or, uh, or, or grand whatever to know about the people that I knew in my life. And I have this series of women that I have written down that I'm going to be uh, conducting for the first wave. And then it'll be different family members. Okay. He's just pumping up my head so he can plug his podcast. <laughs> That's what he's doing. <laughs> yes, I am. So we, she's known me for a while. All right. All right, Tiffany. So here it's going to be like, what's your favorite food? That's what you came up with? That's what what's I came up food? with. What's your favorite food? <laughs> Tell me. I want to know. Well, uh, you need to get closer to cannelloni. the Cannelloni. What's yeah. that? Cannelloni. It's, a, uh, it's an Italian dish with chicken... Ricotta, um, um, that's the one that I like, All right. spinach. All right. And a, a so where'd you sauce. first get this food? Since this is the one thing you want someone to remember back in, in time. Like the the food? The first place I had it was this little uh, um, pizzeria. What's a near, pizzeria? A pizza place. <laughs> okay. You know, near my school when I was in high school. Um and it, no, you know what? The first place I had it was was at a hotel. We were we were we had gone to uh, we had gone to Italy. I was viewing schools there, mm-hmm. and um, we went to we just went to the hotel. And this was uh, what year? This was eighty seven. Oh, okay. All right, so 87, you're in Italy, and this is where you get this cantaloni. 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 It's not cantaloni. <laughs> See? Well, you're trying to all mess right, with so, me now. All right, so we know that cantaloni was your, was your, fa- was your favorite and it's food still, there. it's still one of my favorites. Still, it is, right? So that explains why we always, she, you want to try that, and you want me to try it. I'm like, I don't want to try it. I want and Every I want. time, every time, he's always like, no, it's not that great to me. But I like very authentic cantaloni. And there are some places that have it, and it's good. Anyway, with food, I like when I go to somewhere, I like what I not. like, 
and I don't want to try anything new because I've already, I like what I like. Yes. That's what it is there. All right, so that's your favorite. What is your favorite dish to cook? Favorite dish to cook? Shrimp etouffee. Shrimp etouffee. Why? Because my entire family loves it. All right, yeah. Everybody loves it when I make it. Friends, family, whomever, they all love love uh, the shrimp etouffee when I make it. So I asked that question because uh, I've, uh, just as a kid, I, specifically Tiffany's grandmother, uh, her name, we called her Ma. Her name is Victoria Applin. And she was a pistol, right? Mm-hmm. 100%, right? And I just remember talking to her Everybody about. Everybody says I'm just like her. <laughs> yes. Not, the weak need not apply uh, on this one here, right? But That's I asked true. that question because I just remember listening to Ma and one of her favorite, I forget, she was telling me about a dish that she cooked. And the reason that dish was important to her was because that was one of the first meals that her mother sat down with with, with her and showed her how to cook. And mm-hmm. she still uh, learns how to cook that. And, and it's a, she had a cake that she did, but there was like something that dealt with shrimp etouffee and probably crawfish because it stands out mm-hmm. in my head. We did a lot of, you know, we're from, our family is from Louisiana, from uh, southern Louisiana. And so there's a lot of Cajun and Creole cooking that, that that's all that I learned to cook initially. I can cook lots of other things now, but that those are all my staples. And so learning how to make a roux and learning how to uh That's a do gravy the for you people in like me in West Texas when I heard roux, I was like you know what What's it was? a roux? And you see them make it like, Oh, this is a gravy. And they like, get offended. Yes. <laughs> I get offended when <clears throat> when you guys want to come over and talk about flavor and food and y'all don't know what a roux is and don't know what the trifecta are. Anyway, okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, <laughs> uh, so food is a big thing, right, with us. And and I just remember, Ma, and I do know, like, with your dad, that's a big thing that we do is food, and especially crawfish. Crawfish grow on you after a while because uh, anything. Crawfish are amazing. Yes. So crawfish does grow on you. But that's a whole process right there, and that's a big family tradition that we have. Uh, I know that Tiffany's family have has mm-hmm. ha, not have has right. Mm-hmm. So is uh, this whole uh, Southern Louisiana thing, and it's not just her particular family, but the food itself is very common in the in the uh, Beaumont Southeast Texas community. Oh, and yeah. everybody, uh, my favorite dish is gumbo because everyone yep. has their own dish <laughs> of gumbo, and they gumbo. claim theirs is better than everybody else's, right? And, well, everybody's gumbo is a little bit different, you know. And, yeah, you like your people's gumbo more than you like somebody else's gumbo. We all try other people's gumbo, but we all love our own gumbo. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. that's so. all right, so so we know you like gumbo. All right, mm-hmm. I'm going to switch it up on no, you. No, I said shrimp at, at, I said shrimp at say. I like gumbo, too. Yeah. I make it a mean gumbo as well. Yeah, Tiffany has a cousin who does who's allergic to shellfish and I don't know how this man has made it out of uh, southeast Texas alive but they make an extra gumbo for yeah, him we make just and for set it they set it to the side for Danny and I mean and they literally guard it like Fort Knox yeah nothing can touch it yeah I remember there, I, I was like hey no who's gumbo and they were like he's very oh he's yeah, like he's, acutely, he's acutely allergic, allergic. And they guard it. And I remember mm-hmm. going over there. I was like, whose gumbo is this? That's Danny's. Don't touch it. I was Do like, not Whoa. touch that pot of gumbo. Yeah. So yeah. that's a big thing there. So, all right. So a good thing there. All right. I'm going to switch it up for you a little bit, babe. All right. Who is your favorite historical figure? My favorite historical figure. Gosh, it's, it's a toss-up for me between Ida and Martin Luther King. Well, toss-up. Let's go with both of them. Okay. So Ida. Who is Ida? Ida B. Wells. Ida B. Wells. What, what, what's important about Ida B. Wells? Because that's your favorite historical person. Well, she, she was out there promoting women's rights when African-American women didn't have rights and white women didn't have rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was independent. It wasn't... That just was unheard of at that time period, to see a woman, an African-American woman, uh, demanding to be at the front of women's suffrage. 
Yeah, that is that that is interesting because Ida B. You know, for those of you who don't know Ida B. Wells, Google it. All right, go please go Google it. So Ida B. Wells is a a, a, a an American a leader, right? Uh, in the late 1800s, mm-hmm. uh, so she was there, and she was one of the first people to take on and challenge the terroristic acts of lynching. And because of Ida B. Mm-hmm. Wells and many others, they were able to change the lynching laws, right? Yeah. So that people could be pro- – there was a whole process there. One of my favorite stories about Ida B. is that she was they – were, they were marching on Washington for women's suffrage. Mm-hmm. So here we are. We have a group of people trying to get the right to vote. And then they're telling – they're saying – They're telling the black women. They're telling the black women to get at the back of the line. Well, Ida B. says Ida no. Ida B. was like, nope. And so what she did was she cut the line, not cut the line, but she positioned her group of people who were marching to where they marched right in front of, uh, went right in right before uh, the group of white women were supposed to uh, go in line. And mm-hmm. so she did that. And she was also a very good it, writer. It was like it was the biggest scandal of the day. Yep. So she did that. I so mean, she that cut in front like, of the likes of Susan B. Anthony. That's right. right. And, and uh, they were reaching out to her because she was the one who – who was the bad butt in the group? <laughs> she was. So you, she was the one that was like, "We will, we're gonna have this, uh, one way or another." Yeah. So if you go to our house, we have uh, several books about uh, <laughs> written about Ida B. Wells uh, on on the library there, and uh, mm-hmm. this is play in our library. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so this is so uh, so I'm a bit of a geek, so we're, we're history geeks, right? So mm-hmm. one of the things that uh, I've been reading and on uh, go to the Library of Congress, right? Look, this guy you can Google this guy too. His name is Thomas T. Fortune, right? And so Tiffany always Thomas gets upset when I bring up Thomas T. Fortune because it appears it appears from the original writing that uh, Thomas T. Fortune and Ida B. had a thing going on, right? Lord, why <laughs> do you have to besmirch historical names with your your mess. <laughs> Why uh, you always got to have some piece of gossip? So, because so, it's very funny. So, Ida B. Wells, right? Hellraiser, civil rights activist, right? Someone who's stern, who's she getting going. She was a heaven raiser. She was a heaven raiser. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. So, so, Ida B. Wells, right? So, my other, so there in that same line, what was an act of kindness that someone showed you that they didn't have to show you that impacted your life? An act of kindness. When I was at Marymount, I was coming from uh, Southeast Texas. You know, as you say, project adjacent, seven streets over from the project, hop on a plane, and I'm, I'm in an elite boarding school in Italy. But I'm, leave, I'm, I'm there with all of the baggage that comes from being where I was from and all of the things that, that I'd experienced as a kid. And so uh, we had a we had open classrooms. You had so you had so many uh, classes scheduled during the day, and then open hours where you could just go and study in a different classroom or in the library or go back to your room. This is high school, right? This is high school, and so uh, Huda, one of the girls in my class. There were 26 of us in my class, 26 girls. And uh, Huda said, we want to talk to you. And so a group of girls got together with me and said, hey, we know you come from uh, the South, uh, but you don't, you haven't been answering questions and you've, you know, you hadn't been really talking to uh, any of us. And we feel like it's it's because uh, you think we might be racist, and you're guarded around all of us. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, and they were like, "We like some of the stuff that you say." You know, this is it's you've been impacted by all of these other social social issues down in in uh, Texas, and. It made me wake up to how I was behaving and what I thought about myself. Like, wait a minute, all of the things that people have said to me that I've internalized, I haven't dealt with. 
Yeah, because well, you... it's not somebody else. If somebody says, if somebody calls you out of your name, how you internalize it and walk through life with it, that's you. You've got to take it out and examine it and toss it in the trash if it's not something that should be in your in your life and in your heart. And I didn't realize how how impacted uh, I had been by by many other things that that. Uh, uh, the knuckle draggers in society had said to me, and so when they did that, and and just started talking to me about it, it was a change for me. I began to examine what I was, wh- what the ticker tape that was running in my head was saying. Oh, huh. you never told me that. That's interesting. Yeah, that was new. I'm glad I asked that question. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you're finding out new things every day, Mr. Smith. <laughs> All right. So last, the last question, I hope I get it before the time's up here. What's the most influential non-family member? Most influential non-family member? Now or? Whatever. Answer question. Okay. I would say the most influential non-family member in terms of, of how I think and how I operate Um would be uh, Henry Cisneros. He's very influential in in how I think and operate. Why? Tell me more. Because, uh, you know, he has this way of uniting people, even groups of people that you think, they are not going to work together. You know, he just manages to say the right thing and do the right thing. So when I'm dealing with very difficult situations, then I will do one of two things. I'll either call Mary Alice and ask a question like, hey, how would you handle this? Or uh, I'll just think about and look at historically how how he's handled certain things. Like that, that, that's been, he's been a very influential, he and Mary Alice have been a very influential uh, non-family member. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good to know. All you right, know, that explains a lot. Especially, especially with with uh, their commitment to public health, commitment to living in their community, and um, living smaller than they have to in order to do big things. That stuff, like when you're thinking about the 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 value that your life can add to your community. Hmm. You know that I, I think about them. You know how do you how do you handle that? And I, I ask them questions. That's that's two people that for me are non-family, but as influential as family. All right, I like that. So, uh, and I, I'll say I am a, a. I have to give you this background so this this next comment's going to make sense. I would normally just say it because Tiffany would get the background right. So I am a huge uh, comic book geek. I mean, <laughs> I just love comic books, right? And so our house is a testament to it. We yes. have stacks of these things. They're nicely, neatly, and or- they're they're neat and they're organized. But I'm a huge yes. fan, right? And I'm also a huge uh, like military right fan guy. <laughs> And just the concept, right? And so Tiffany always gives me grief about that, right? And uh, but one thing, I'm a big fan of of Batman, and uh, the biggest thing about Batman that I like is that he, along I'm with a Iron fan Man, of Batman too. yeah, she's recently become a fan of Batman. Is that they're the only the they're the only uh, superheroes who don't have superpowers? None. I mean, Batman has absolutely no superpowers. Neither does Iron Man. But what they have are resources and creativity, and they solve problems and take on people. And that's one of the things that I told mm-hmm. my wife. I said, you remind me of two, two things, right? She was like, what? But she was giving me grief. So you remind me of Batman. And His she goes, description is always that I'm giving you. <laughs> always has well, it is, right? in there. So when you come in and go, what are you doing? What does it look like I'm doing? I'm reading a comic book. Go away. <laughs> so and I, and I was telling her this analogy about Batman. Right. And then the other one is I'm a, I, like, I like military shows. Right. In particular, uh, a particular group of military guys are the Green Berets. Right. They are a fascinating group because they send these usually 12 people in 
to go in and train the local people on how to take on a particular situation. And then with the support of the U.S. government and the military, they're able to bring things, make changes happen. And that's the analogy that I use with my wife is that one of the things that she's doing, especially in regards to the Texas Kidney Foundation, is that she is going around like Batman raising key people uh, in these initiatives to say, hey, we can work to cause people to think differently, to act mm-hmm. differently, and, and change different policies. And so where she is this ordinary human being, no superpowers, right? She has uh, creativity and people skills like you wouldn't believe uh, to gather this strong group of people together to take on a social issue uh, that is impacting many. I, like I see our, our board members and our uh, community partners as, as our, our SEAL team. You know, we have these people that have um, stellar, stellar backgrounds and uh, just incredible intellectual capacity to see a problem from a different perspective. Like we've dealt with, with kidney disease uh, for decades in the very same manner. Not much has changed. But now, for just such a time as this, we have the opportunity to change behavior, change uh, attitude and change the health of the, the people in our community. We can offer them something more than just the same old, same old. And that, you know, there's something amazing about being able to do that. There's something amazing about uh, having somebody like Carl Deuce that, that uh, is out there uh, doing his best work. You know, I just talked to somebody, I, calling people randomly. I was calling someone about about uh, a sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And I get this lady on the phone, and this is she says, oh, I, I, will, I, I will buy tickets. I will sponsor Texas Kidney Foundation. And I said, why? You know, why are you, you know, she was so excited about it. And I said, why? And she said, because Carl Dukes, uh, I, I was going to stage four kidney disease, Carl Dukes. Uh, I went to see him, and he saw that that's what was happening. And he said, I'm going to test everything to see what this is because I don't want you to have to go on dialysis. So first of all, that right there is different from most most people, right? He looked at everything, figured out that it was something to do with uh, the ACE inhibitor that she was taking, that's according to her. I didn't call Carl and ask him. Um, and changed that. And literally saved her kidneys. Literally saved her kidney health, saved her quality of life. It's people who are thinking. Having a physician is not the same as having the best of the best position. Hmm. That's that's what Carl is. Uh, Doctor Dukes, don't let that go to your head. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so now, uh, now Kevin is saying that because <laughs> Doctor Dukes is the Billy D of of whatever. nephrology. He's whatever. like one of the handsomest doctors out there. That's what. <laughs> that's that what it is. All right. It's called so, jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> I have some stuff in my head right now that I'm gonna keep to myself. <laughs> so all of this to say. <laughs> Uh, all these things, right, I think uh, everyone should, that seem ordinary to you, right, you go through it, it's just events in your life, they will mean the world to another generation uh, to know these things and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that uh, we're using the show for is I'm going to download all this stuff, and I have a repository where I keep this information and these recordings. So that is... Things that I just now, a few things I found out that I didn't know about my wife that I like. And uh, everyone, <laughs> all the women just say, oh, Dr. Dukes, whatever, Dr. Dukes. Everybody whatever. loves Dr. Dukes. He's a great guy. Anyway, <laughs> you've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany. 
here on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And we can be seen on the African American Network Television, where we have a local feel with a global reach. And on YouTube. On YouTube and wherever uh, podcasts are streamed. I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation. And I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess. COVID-19 has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit or we can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. And we're back with another episode of (laughs) On the Record with Tiffany here on 930 AM, The Answer. And we can be seen on the African American Network television where we have a local feel with a global reach. Okay, in this segment, I get to ask questions of Kevin L. Smith. So, I'm going to ask you the same thing you asked me. Okay. What's your favorite food? My favorite food. All right, I would not admit to this to anyone, especially to your dad, but I like fried chicken. I'm a big fried chicken fan. I like, I mean, really? that's one of the things that Is you... Is that why you always eat oven fried chicken when I make it? I eat oven fried chicken because I'm older and, you know... Mm-hmm. It's, I make it oven fried. It's, it's healthier on my heart, you know, hopefully healthier on my waistline. So, But I do like fried chicken. I know it fits a stereotype, uh, but I, I, I love fried chicken. What's the food that you hate the most? The food that I hate the most? Mm-hmm, that you don't like. I don't like here now. Never mind. I can't. Say, <laughs> I was going to say. Uh, I would say the food that <laughs> I. Don't I know what you were going to say? Uh, a certain chain that my daughters yeah. like to go to every, every day. day you know, could. once or twice is okay, uh, but every day. But no, like I, I would say a food that I, I really don't like that much is. Um, I don't know. I hadn't met any food that I don't like. Look at me, right? I mean, I got, Be quiet. I got, I got weight everywhere, right? So I would say a food that I'll I tell you what I don't like. I don't like uh, certain cookies. I don't like the, and I know old people are going to be upset about this. I don't like tea cookies. And that's really? just, I don't, you don't like, like those them. tea cakes. I don't like tea cakes. I don't like them. I don't know. I don't Glad care who. I didn't okay, know that tea about cakes are a, a, a put cookie. You out on the street for that. In my mind, it's a sugar cookie, but they say it's not a sugar cookie. It's not. It Whatever. doesn't have sugar all over it. I don't like that cookie. Everybody makes it. It's, Tiffany it's, makes it during the holidays. Her mm-hmm. aunts make it during the holidays. My mama tries to make it. Well, I don't it's a like certain, them. I mean, it's, it's something that people make. Uh, it's not terribly sweet so no he because he not likes things that are either. really sweet i do not it's, it's, um okay i do got the sugar tooth all right yeah you do, you do i have, have the sugar tooth. yeah Sorry. You do no have it. Mm-hmm. all right so what's the next one um who's your favorite historical figure historical figure okay i have two and the one's going to be controversial so let's deal with the easy one first my favorite historical figure is uh, frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm. uh that's just his life uh, going from being a slave and having uh, being freed, uh, not being free like someone freed him. He freed himself. Right. And to go through the psychological bondage that uh, that he had to endure and still having the capacity to be free and not bitter uh, in uh, in regards to that. So Frederick Douglass is uh, my favorite historical figure and then just the impact that he had on the people around him in the free community up north, that was really good. So give some, some uh, 
give some background on Frederick Douglass. Most right. people that are listening to us are not going to know who that yeah, is. Yeah, so Frederick Douglass uh, is African-American uh, leader. Uh, he was born uh, born into slavery, uh, born to a uh, uh, his mother was a slave. His father was a was was a, was a white man. And so he was born uh, into slavery at that time in the early 1800s. And from there, being born into slavery. Right. He all, he learned to read and uh, kind of follows that same uh, the power of learning and the power of reading and thinking. Uh, right. And so he learned to read. He was very, um, I would, I'm going to use the word rebellious because I can't think of another word. He didn't accept slavery. He didn't accept. So he was that first, uh, he was a bad Negro, right? That's what they would describe him as, as a bad Negro, and you can fill in the rest for that, right? Uh, and he stood up uh, when his master would want to beat him for resisting work. He stood up. He would resist it. And uh, he kind of he took on the mindset of uh, if they're going to beat me, I'm going to resist and make it extremely difficult for them to get away with this. It's not going to go unhurt, unchecked, right? And so he even was sent to a place where they trained Negro slaves to be better, right? And he resisted that. Mm -hmm. But it was a lot of psychological torture that, that he endured. Uh, and so he, even in the midst of that, he still stood firm for himself. Mm -hmm. And even when he left and escaped, it wasn't like, like it's romanticized uh, in, in movies and everything. Mm -hmm. When you left as a slave, when you went north, it wasn't guaranteed, right? So a lot, most people ended up in Boston. And even then, they had people there who were looking for Negro slaves to return them. And if you got returned, I mean, they beat the crap out of you. Yeah. But even in the midst of that, he, he was self-educated. Uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, speeches he gave is Self-Made Man, right? It's yep. an awesome speech. You should look that up. Google that. Uh, it's worth listening to it's because, mm -hmm. because uh, really, when you – Think about that. Think about how someone walked out of that period of time mm -hmm. and then made a life and uh, political change. Mm -hmm. Then you should know that in this period of time. Mm -hmm. We, but he still believed. In, but he still them. believed in the Constitution. He still yeah. believed in the ideals of America. Still believed in, the midst in of this that. nation. So here, and even so, you'll see in a lot of his reading, a lot of his writings, rather, and he owned the newspaper, the equivalent of an internet, right? So <laughs> he still believed in the ideals of America. Yeah. When a lot of the people around him were like, "Hey, let's burn the Constitution down," he was like, "No, the document itself is a good document. Yeah. The ideals that it embodies exactly. are good." Because mm -hmm. you also have to realize is that he understood the context in which he was in, mm -hmm. which was if you compare America to where he was in time, right, compared to everything that was before him, the ideals that they put forth in the document itself were good. The mm -hmm. ideals were good, that all men are created equal. And so really all he was asking for was the The application part. of the document. Yeah. Application of these yeah, values. to everyone. To everyone. Fair mm -hmm. application. The same thing. That people are saying right now. Yeah, it's the same thing. Same thing. And, and so I, I, use a, I use a, a metaphorical uh, connection, right? So just like you had Douglas, who was saying the ideals of the Constitution are great. We want to keep them. And then he had a couple of friends, and I'm not even going to attempt to remember all their names, who were there. They're like, no, let's burn it down. Let's take it away. He's like, no, we just want the application to be fair. We just want the application to, to be applied apply to, to all men, yeah, right? To apply and that to us men as well. be defined as Men, everyone, right, mm -hmm. in that sense. Mm -hmm. So And so just like today, we have people who are like, let's get rid of America. It's got, no, 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 no. Hold your roll. Slow yeah. your roll, right? That's right. So, pump your brakes, kid. Pump your brakes on that one, right? <laughs> so now you're telling me that now I get to participate in capitalism unrestrained, right? And I know some people say it's got issues. Yeah, we can work through that through legislation. Every nation but it's a good system. Issues. But it's a good system. And the issues That's from right. my viewpoint that people are complaining about are minor. That's right. right. Or minor when you take it in the full context of everything. So and those of you who want to call in, please do so and argue with me based on fact and you will not win. I guarantee you. OK, so that's the first person. <laughs> I like, Right. 
So it's Frederick Douglass. So let me, and so He's throwing down the gauntlet. And so the second person, though, and this is the controversial one, is that I like, is uh, Ronald Reagan. And I have a big picture of Ronald Reagan. I know yes. people get upset and they talk about He's the drug, the war on drugs and everything. And, I, and we, can, we can debate that nuance, right? But you've got to realize when Ronald Reagan came in, America was at a low point. And I tell this story, right? I remember my, uh, my father was working, and I think we were out of jobs. He was in transition, right, uh, into trying to get a stable job. And it was under uh, Jimmy Carter. And he, always, he had some colorful things to say about Carter, but I'll leave that alone. But uh, under Reagan, uh, it came in, and from my dad's viewpoint, is that it was Reagan who changed the economic situation, right, for him. And, we, and he had employment, et cetera, from that viewpoint. But when you also step back from Reagan, Reagan, did, Reagan challenged a view of the world that was dominant, right, which was the best way to deal with uh, the Soviet Union was that of appeasement. And I'm not a big appeasement guy at all, not in anything, just not the neighborhood I grew up in. Uh, but he did something that people thought was crazy, and it appealed to me, right? And he just said, the Soviet empire is evil. And, oh, my God. I mean, it just threw everybody, uh, uh, everybody for, it threw everybody a curveball. Like, oh, my God, he's just inciting them, and he decided that we're going to take them on. Because we never heard of point. politicians yeah, speak no directly to someone, speak directly and uh, forthrightly about about uh, someone that was our opposition. There was always the dip- diplomacy uh, and, I guess, Melba Toast language. Yeah, there was a lot of Melba Toast language that was yeah. used. And But when he stood and he called it the evil empire, yeah. when he had this sense of... It was uh, just like... He had nope. this sense of, uh, for lack of a better word, moral clarity. Yeah. And and we didn't see that prior. Everyone was like, well, I think, I blah. So that influenced me a lot, those two men, uh, Frederick Douglass uh, and uh, Ronald Reagan, because they had this sense of what was right and what was wrong. And they and they went through that, and that's what they stuck with. Now, applica- now everybody has issues, right? We can debate those. But uh, in my mind, those two individuals are, are my favorite two historical figures. Interessante. Yeah. Which is why I have books on both. Yes, you do. And probably a runner-up would be uh, would be Grant, yeah, mm-hmm. General Grant from from Ulysses S. Grant would be the third one. Interesting. So, what's your act of kindness that someone did that they didn't have to do for you? Act of kindness. Uh, last week, I know I shared uh, with uh, uh, Kathy Spencer. That was an act of kindness. Because uh, I moved, and I'll tell you, I didn't go into detail with this, uh, but we had moved from my small hometown, Rotan, to an even smaller place uh, called Roby. So there's about oh. 10 miles between the two of us. And there's a lot Rotan's of, pretty small. Yeah, and there's a lot of rivalry, rivalry between them sports-wise, right? Uh, but what Kathy did for me was open my eyes to the actual process of how to get into college. And she, I met her in the fifth grade. Yeah, it was the fifth grade. And she, in, in, in essence, took me by the hand from the fifth grade through uh, my senior year and walked me through all of the things that I needed on a, on, a, uh, on a college transcript and on a college application, not a college application, yeah, a college application and a, a scholarship application. She walked me through everything that I would need to add and have on those applications. And she walked me through that. She got me involved in 4-H. She got me involved in, like, all these different activities. And she didn't have to do that, right? And she did that, and that was an act of kindness that I think my, uh, you know, I would love to believe the myth that, oh, I would have been successful without that. I don't think I would have. Just just looking back over the things that she, that 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 thing that that opened me up to her taking me by the hand, saying, "Hey, Kevin, you need to do this." So I know whenever Kathy called, it was always an answer, right? And uh, that was an act of kindness that uh, that she didn't have to do uh, for me, but she did, right? Mm-hmm. And even through the ups and downs, she guided me through that whole process of, "Hey, you need to do this. Hey, you need to do this. They're going to be looking for this. They're going to be looking for that." So whatever she said, do I did, right? I didn't challenge it. 
if Kathy said do it, we did it. Right. And then if we didn't do it, my dad had lovely things to say about me uh, in that. So, but yeah, that would be an act of kindness. It didn't have to be. So, well, who is the most influential non-family family member? Non-family member uh, uh, directly involved with my life. I would say my whole hometown of Rotan, Texas. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, they really like Rotan just just. That's that's one of those places. This is a hometown story. It is, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm a big rap music fan. I know sometimes it sounds like a contradiction. I like Ronald Reagan and I like rap music and deal with it, right? Well, people are nuanced. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm a big rap fan, and there's a rapper named uh, Young Dolph, and he uh, has a song, and I'm going to, and there's a line in there. He says, these streets are what raised me. Right. And there's that's that one line that's there, you know, in rap music, everybody has that one line that stands out to them. And I can listen to that whole line over and over again. Right. Because it was my hometown that had this influence on me. That is the person that I am today. Right. And so uh, and the other day I was talking to Ernie. I think it was, No, it was Annie. Yeah, so Annie and I were talking, and when you Those have kids, I have, I have a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old, they ask you questions that you hadn't really thought about most times, mm-hmm. right? So uh, she was asking me, she found, she found my yearbook, it's my senior yearbook, and she was asking me all these questions about uh, my hometown. And the, one, and the, uh, and the nuance and, uh, of that, not nuance, what's the word I'm looking for, nostalgia. Nostalgia of that is that the feeling that I think of when I think of my hometown was the, the friends that I made, uh, uh, high school sports, right? Uh, one of the, I tell this story often about my second brother, Eric. Uh, he, he played, it had to be like 92. Yeah, 92. So he played for Rotan, Texas, right? Look it up. It's a small town, about 10,000 people, right? And they played this, they were, they were at that time, they were a 1A football team. They played another 1A football team named Garden City, and, uh, and these are super small towns. They played in Garden City. Garden City probably at that time had about 900 people. Garden City had to hire, had to request additional uh, support for their infrastructure because it went from 900 to about 6,000 people because you had the number one and the number two Class A football team playing. And just that excitement, even as I tell that, it makes me feel, ooh, goosebumps, right, uh, on that one. And uh, just the, the feeling of that from a hometown feel and just the feeling of being in a small-town environment where you know everybody, right? You know this person. You, you, you just know the people in that small town. And that's the one thing uh, that when you say uh, the most influential non-family member, it would be my hometown. It would be the church that I was raised in, right, Little Zion Baptist Church, uh, the pastor there at the time, Carrington, uh, Reverend James Carrington and his wife, and just that whole environment of being around those people and in all those and all those older people having the influence. When Kevin and I got married, the whole town. Oh, she's going to tell this story, right? <laughs> shut down. It, it felt like it, but the whole town didn't shut down. They all came to our uh, engagement party. Everybody came to the engagement party that was held there. Yeah, the whole town did. There's so a lot of people came down. It, it's, it's more than a hundred. Not that big people. of a town. It's, not, it's more than a hundred people live in Bo- and we're in Rotan, didn't it? <laughs> All right. But everybody came. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. It was really good. It was really good because I'd never experienced small town uh, America. So this was it. It was yeah. a, it was a great a great experience. I thought, wow, this really is where everybody knows everybody else. Yep, it really is. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it was a great experience, and that's the one thing um, that I miss for my kids is to be in that, is be in that small town uh, environment where people know yeah. everyone. You know, yeah. uh, that's the one thing that I miss. Um, you didn't know that, did you? No, I did not. <laughs> I did not. I thought. Considering your usual warmth, because <laughs> 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 Kevin's always the person that's skeptical about anything or anybody that's coming our way. So, you know, the the girls are always like, "Watch out for the bad guys. Bad guys could be here, there, there." They're always telling me like, "Look at all the points of entry." I'm like, okay, you know. So <laughs> I was I was surprised to hear that 
that you uh, miss small town America? I do. I do miss small town America. I do. Um, well, we can go visit. Yeah. Um, what's your most memorable high school moment? For me, athletics. Uh, that's the most memorable. Just athletics in general. Uh, playing football uh, in West Texas is a good. Uh, is, it was a good experience. Right, so uh, being on a uh, a winning team, right? Even uh, it, it's just there's nothing like it. I mean, uh, the the one of the books oh, I read he's, in college. He's perking up, y'all. I am perking up, right? Perking was up. Friday Night Lights, right? And so I knew most of those guys, right? So most of their kids, in fact, one of the guys who played for the team, his kid did an internship with me. I was like, hey, his name sounds funny. I said, is your dad so and so? He's like, yeah, my dad is this person. And I, and I knew exactly who he was, right? But uh, Texas uh, football, there's nothing like it in the, in the world, especially if you're part of it and you get to play uh, uh, sports. I mean, it is an awesome feeling. Uh, you are, in essence, your, your hometown hero. And just the feeling of it, you're playing, and, uh, and, and the lights and, and family coming out to support you. Uh, that first season, you know, and then if you make the playoffs, oh, my God, it's a riot. I mean, mm-hmm. you it is the great – I still remember a lot of that, a lot of those experiences, and I refer to those a lot of those right now, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the one thing that I remember playing high school sports is we, had a co- we, ha- we have a coach named Coach Posey, Ted Posey, uh, and he, he's, he's in his 80s now, right? But I remember him, we, he, uh, he, he, he coached the linemen, right? And when you come down off the line, we did this. We did a play where the the the, uh, the tight end, not tight end, the guard and the tackle on the left side pulled down the line. And what that means, Tiffany, is they they, yeah, you they come it. down the line and they're going. To, what they're doing is it's it's essentially a fake, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're letting this guy come in on the right side, but you're going to block him out, and your running back's going to hit that and it's going to go and do pretty well, right? And there was a kid who would not get his tail down, right, to run. Because if you stand up, the linebacker is going to step in and smash you in the mouth and block you up. And Coach Posey kept telling this guy to do that, and he wouldn't do it. And so Coach Posey switched out with the linebacker. He doesn't have any pads on whatsoever. And David came down, wouldn't do it, and Coach Posey smashed him. Boom, knocked him down. And that stands out in my head to this day that, hey, there are certain processes and procedures that need to be followed to get the result that you want. Yeah, if you don't probably do it. be up on charges in today. Yeah, it probably would be. But we all thought it was cool, <laughs> man. I was just like, Coach Posey, I mean, after that, Coach Posey was like this god. And, and man, he was a man's man in yeah. my mind. Yeah. And, uh but yeah, the, the the most memorable moments for me in high school were all sports centered, uh, related, right? And I'm just really uh, thankful for my time to to be in there. Even like to this day, I still refer to times in my hometown. I mean, things that that I experienced, different personality types. I'm like, this is how I'm going to deal with this person. It's like what we deal there, you know. Yeah. So which explains a lot of my kind of get out of my face mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's definitely a no nonsense kind of person. You know, you do it. If you say you're going to do something, you say you're going to be someplace, you need get to there. be there. You get don't, there. What's you wrong don't with that? just, uh, yeah. And, that, and I operate under that too, you know, standards. You know, I, all of this, you know, all of these questions just bring me back to standards. You have to have standards. But so that's looked down on though now. If you get, you get standards now, you're, you are, uh, you're, you're, you're racist, right? Mm-hmm. So that's well, this extreme I will say left. This. <laughs> I will say this. In order to accomplish what Texas Kidney Foundation is, is, uh, is endeavoring to accomplish and will accomplish, then we will have the best team. We will have people with standards. Those who do not have standards need not apply. This isn't the place <laughs> for you. You don't want to show up to meetings on time. This isn't the place for you. Yeah. So you don't want to be you don't want to be held accountable, and and go by ma- ma- metrics. It's not the place for you because yeah. when you have a goal, there's yeah, only it, one way yeah. to reach goals, and that is with processes and procedures and measurements of yeah. the goal. And a lot of times, when you're not aware of what the processes and processes and procedures are, you just want to help you, right? And I'm mm-hmm. okay with that. With someone helping me go through that. Well, I'll I'll say, you know, as we've been uh, ramping up and getting our 
our uh, our team together, we've been very fortunate to find people that that understand processes and procedures. You know, when we teamed up with uh, Texas Diabetes Institute, that was one mm-hmm. of the first things that we we uh, experienced with uh, Terry De La Haya mm-hmm. and her team is so, that they understood that. Let, let me interrupt you real quick. So. The reason we're telling this is, one, to capture the essence of who we are so you know who we are in our background and what we are involved with so you understand the why of it, mm-hmm. that, we, you know, that, there is, that we are people. We, we just didn't fall out of the sky, but there are all these people behind us influenced us, and they have mm-hmm. impacts on us and uh, uh, to be the people we are today involved with the things that we're involved in. So that's, that's why we are who we are and why we're doing what we're doing. And where that look says we're about to be out of time, right? Yep. You, you're listening to On the Record with Tiffany here on 930 AM, The Answer. And we can be seen on the African American Network television, on YouTube, and wherever podcasts are streamed. Remember, we're more alike than we are different. And you can change the world if you just put together processes and procedures <laughs> and goals <laughs> and follow them. You've been enjoying On the Record with Tiffany. We encourage you to share these stories with friends and family. You can listen to other shows by going to 930amtheanswer.com. And join us next week for On the Record with Tiffany on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Tiffany Smith, Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Kidney Foundation. And I'm here to talk to you about your kidney health. Health is the most important asset we possess, COVID-19, has exposed the unhealthy nature of our population. One in three Americans are at risk for chronic kidney disease. In absolute numbers, that translates into about 600,000 San Antonians. Have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Have you been diagnosed with hypertension? Do you take blood pressure medicine? Do you have heart disease? Have you experienced heart failure? Do you have a history of dialysis or kidney failure in your family? If you said yes to two or more of those questions, you need to come and see us. Are you a part of that one in three? Is your sister, is your brother, is your mother? Texas Kidney Foundation offers free screenings. All you have to do is go to our website, www.txkidney.org. Check out our free screenings. You can either come to our office for an in-office visit or We can come to you. You can schedule a screening or go to a screening near you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.